0: Lord be with us now as we open your Word and we reflect on this life that you've given us. Help us to know how to use it in a way that would bring glory to your name and great joy to our own hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to read to you from Galatians chapter 5 but before I read that specific verse. I want to give you context here. It's the letter of Paul. It's believed to have been one of his earlier letters that he wrote. And this, this Galatians, is not, that's not a town. So a lot of the others were towns. like Philippians, that's a town. The Thessalonians, that was a town. Corinth was a town. But this was written to the, the believers in a region. So one of the regions in that time, the name of a region in what today we would call Turkey, was uh, a region there called galatia and this particular region was one of the first places where paul went uh as an as an evangelist so you remember we talked a few weeks ago about what was going on in the church in antioch and how all these different folk had gathered together in this place and the holy spirit came upon them in the midst of a prayer meeting and said to them, "Set aside for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them." They laid their hands on them, prayed for them, sent them out. They went to Cyprus, and after that, they went north up into the region of Galatia, and they went through various churches in that area and taught people, and then made their way back. and And, and it was an amazing experience. And then Paul would go back there again later on. So this was one of the first regions outside of. You know, so you had Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and as the gospel began to go to the ends of the earth, this is one of the first places it went. But it seems that not everyone was in agreement it, to exactly what was required of those who became believers. And so what happened in the case here, and you would understand this when you read the rest of this book, is Paul is addressing a situation that has arisen where some would-be do-gooders have come behind him where he has gone and taught about Jesus and about the uh, freedom that we have in Christ and the release in his finished work. They've come behind and said, yeah, that's all good and well, but here's a few things that Paul didn't teach you that you need to do and then laid before them a lot of the things associated with the ceremonial Jewish law, including circumcision, which, understandably, was not really a position that a lot of the men of the church wanted to adopt at that point. You can understand that. And Paul writes a letter to them saying, don't fall into this, because it never was about ceremonial actions. It's about faith in Jesus, and that's what makes you part of his kingdom. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we find him writing these words. This is after he's talked about these other things. And really pretty provocative, frankly. If you go back and read some of the things he's saying in chapter 4, some of the ways he compares uh, the, the new reality of faith in Jesus versus, versus those who are still tied to ceremonial law and action, it, it's little wonder, actually, that uh, he gets accused by some of saying he speaks against Moses and against the law. If you were to read that section, you might understand why they would bring that charge against him. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So the point he's driving at here is that when we come to Jesus and receive His grace in our lives, we receive freedom. Now that right there ought to be a checkpoint for you to think about your own experience right now. Does your experience of coming to Jesus make you feel more free? Or has your experience of coming to Jesus made you feel more trapped? And this is an important point, because if your experience right now is one that, oh, I really wish I could be like that, but I came to Jesus, you're not getting it. You're missing the point. There's there's two possible problems here. One is you don't understand the freedom that is yours in Christ, or two, you're not actually converted. You still kind of want to be the other thing. But when we come to Jesus, he sets us free. It's it's like the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. So they're slaves in Egypt. God comes down and by means of Moses works in a mighty way and they're delivered from Egypt. How much do the children of Israel help God in delivering them from Egypt? I'm gonna go with none. In fact, I'm gonna go with they actually hurt the cause. Okay, that's how it is in our own lives, right? Jesus comes and tries to save us and, and we're not helping. In fact, mostly we're hurting, but somehow through His grace He finds us where we are. He brings us into His kingdom it's all his mighty work on our behalf and we are brought into that kingdom so Israel is brought out of Egypt and they are free but what they're free to be is the people of God and this is a very important point because sometimes when we think freedom we think Free to do anything I want, anytime I want. Now, I'm not going to tell you you're not. You are. But what I am going to tell you is not everything you're free to do, you should do. Let me give you an example. All right. Uh, So, a big thing lately is vaping. You've heard about this? Yeah, smoking's not cool anymore. Now it's vaping. All right, but there's a problem here, particularly if you're vaping in a way that is introducing nicotine to your body. Because here's the reality, you introduce that to your body, your body becomes addicted to it. Okay, here's the deal. No one who never smoked or vaped nicotine ever became addicted to nicotine, right? So nobody who never did it lived the rest of their life craving something they know will kill them. Let's deal with alcohol. Nobody who never drank alcohol ever became an alcoholic. You can go down this list. Nobody who never abused opioids, and we could even go never took them, ever got caught up in this crisis that we're in right now the point i'm trying to make with this is that the decisions you make in your life in your freedom to choose can put you back in bondage so freedom is as much the ability to say yes but also the ability to say no and what god gives us in freedom when he sets us free when he brings us into his kingdom is not just this blanket permission to do anything we want, it's the freedom to choose what is best. That's why Paul is saying, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Whether that yoke of bondage is a list of behaviors that you've trapped yourself in under this sense that somehow this pleases God, or a list of unwise behaviors that will destroy your life. Freedom means you can choose anything you want. Wisdom means you don't choose anything dumb. You want to have both of those. Verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Now, Paul's going back to his, his larger point about the, the, the law being pushed in on them. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So, so the key here is, this, is a, this, this life in Christ is a life centered in faith through the Holy Spirit where we wait for the righteousness of to be produced in our lives don't get caught in the game where where really the whole point of the Christian life from here forward is trying to figure out if I'm saved or not okay the salvation reality takes place when you open your heart to Jesus you confess you receive the Holy Spirit you now enter the kingdom of God. But here's the point. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. And life by the Spirit is not the same as life in the flesh. There's a difference. So life in the Spirit. What has God, through Jesus, freed us to be. What has He called us to do? What is kingdom life like? What does it look like? Well, I want to suggest to you that that the miraculous thing that God is trying to do in us through Christ, which is nearly impossible, but because of the Holy Spirit, it actually works out to some degree is that he is attempting to establish within the church within the body of believers to reestablish the order that he created in the beginning you see in the beginning God created this world and everything in this world functioned in a loving interdependent way but then sin came into the world what is sin sin is the moment at which I turn my affections from loving the Lord with all my heart and loving my neighbor as myself to loving myself above everything else this is the root of sin sin comes into this world and we become self-centered we become selfish and in the process of that all of the horrible manifestations that take place is a result of that of people taking advantage of everyone else for their own good. See, this is the law of the world. And it gets really ugly out there when we live by that law. If you don't believe me, watch the news this evening. It's not a pretty time out there, is it? It's a lot of ugly out there right now. But the kingdom of God is different. It's this, it's this beautifully put together reality where all of us give our best to each other. It's not a solo journey. We're not islands unto ourselves. Yes, God comes to us as an individual and brings us grace as an individual, but then He brings us into the kingdom. He brings us into the family. Why does He do that? Well, one of the reasons is none of us can do everything, can we? So, one of the things I've learned I don't know everything, and I can't do everything. And as long as my world is just me in this little circle, my world is small and limited and not much fun. But when I'm willing to open it up and let other people bring their gifts, it makes the experience so much better. Well, just, just this service right now that we're participating in. Brother Will brought his gifts and it makes the experience so much better. If, if You want me to try to play that song? <laughs> you do not want me to try to play that song. We all bring a peace. And just to show you how much I really believe this, Julie, will you come bring a peace to this message? Because there are certain things I can say. Come on up, come on up. But there are other things that she can say and demonstrate in ways I can't. And this is how it's supposed to be. Now, most of the time, I get to stand up here and talk the whole time. But there are more pieces. So tell us about more pieces.
1: Thank you. And this piece, I made a call this week.
0: Are you well? I thought I was
1: on. Hello? There. Okay. And thank you for that piece, right? It's amazing what God does. But I made a call, and someone that... I don't know if I should call them out or not, that I love very much that may be very close to the front row helps me with this next part, so thank you. So (laughs) to illustrate what Pastor Jeff is talking about, out in the congregation, I need you to look alive and to look around because there are four pieces, kind of cardboard styrofoam material. They're large, they're about this big, each one. And there's four of them out there. So if you would look around and find them, there should be four, so see if it's in your area. I see one back there, and once you find them, send someone up, maybe a kid or whoever, maybe there's a big kid that wants to come up and bring those forward. And we're gonna see something here. Oh, I see two, three, waiting on one more. So once you find it, find someone to bring it up. Maybe maybe a, a child or a teenager. All right, and as they're coming up, thank you so much, I invite you to turn just a few pages over from where we've been in Galatians to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul still talking. Thank you so much. As you come up, if you'd spread out a little bit. So you can go stand over there, and you can stand, like, over here. And thank you, ma'am, if you'd stand right here. And you, sir, can come over here. All right, so we have all these pieces And if we look at just one of them, or just one of those, or one of those over there that's trying to get away, it's kind of hard to tell, like, what is that? What is that supposed to be? Well, I'm not entirely sure. I see something over there, okay. And I look at Ephesians chapter four, and here Paul is talking and he's saying, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And he talks and he says, you received grace. And then he says in verse 11, it was he, the he is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So Jesus gave us grace, and then he gave us a gift. And some of you today, you have this gift of this peace. But when you stand here by yourself, and you can just hold it up, or you stand here, When we're just one piece of the puzzle by ourselves, we don't always make sense, do we? Are you gonna come up and help us too? Okay. And so sometimes we're here and we've been given this grace. Yes. When We've been given this grace from Jesus and sometimes we're all happy we have our Bibles and oh, he's got a double time. Oh. you okay? Let's see, what are we going to do here? Do you have a friend? You want to phone a friend? (laughs) Oh, we lost a shoe. Go, go, run, run, run. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for holding it for so long. I know they're very heavy. We'll have someone jump in. Okay. So each one of us is kind of like this puzzle piece. And when we stand here by ourselves, sometimes we can be really happy and we can read the Bible and we can know Jesus, but by ourselves, we don't really make sense. And so let's keep on reading this passage, Ephesians chapter four, we're now in verse 12. So Jesus gave all these gifts, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I said a lot. But Jesus gave us grace. He gave us gifts. For what reason? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up so that... What we're going to do now is ask if you can take your pieces, so all come together, and let's see if they will fit together. Let's try. There's some arrows on the back if we get stuck. Let's see how long it takes them. Okay, Good. And once you find it, you can kind of stand to the side a little bit. Very nice. Okay. So can you come over here and hold it there? Yep. And can you back up a little bit so she can hold that one? Good. All right. Can you see it now? What do you see this is a cross this reminds us of jesus so paul is saying here jesus gave us gifts to build up god's people so that and uses all this language so we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of christ basically when we all come together we look like jesus and i can't look like jesus i can't be like jesus all by myself in case you ever wondered why do we come to church Because I could sit at home and read my Bible or watch it online. This is why. Because we can't look like Jesus by ourselves. And so, verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is what it looks like when we use our gifts and we come together, when we serve each other, we become like Jesus, we reflect Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about today. So thank you so much for holding those up, for putting the puzzle together. You can set them right there. And go and find your seats, and we'll pass it back to Pastor Jeff to show us a little bit more of what does it mean? What does this service look like in the body of Christ?
0: If we go a little farther in Galatians chapter 5, you come to verse 13. And it's building on this same idea of the freedom that we're called to. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is that larger point I was trying to make to you a minute ago that that you're free in Christ to decide whatever you want. But what Paul is saying is don't use that freedom to be self-indulgent. Don't use that freedom to destroy yourself. Use it to serve one another in love. You see, when you're a when you're slave to sin, you're not free to serve one another. When you're slave to to narrow religiosity. You're not free to serve and to love. You're you're filled with fear all the time. You're anxious all the time. You're not a loving person when you're filled with fear. Jesus came to set us free from all of those things so that we could become full, functional participants of the kingdom of God. The, the reestablishing of God's original purpose in the life of his church. And, and as Julie was saying, we come together and we reflect the image of Christ. Well, what was Jesus like when it came to service? Do you remember this passage, Mark chapter 10, verse 45? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many." See, Jesus sets sets the direction for us on this. And you think about His life on earth. All power and authority was given to Him, yet what did He choose to do with it? Did He use His power and authority to make His life easy? Or did he use it to serve the people of God? See, that's the example. That's what we need to look like individually, and that's what we need to look like together. People who use our freedom for the good of others. There aren't too many people who reach the end of their life, and as the the days are closing out for them, not too many of them say, you know, as I look back on my life, I wish I'd have spent more hours in the office. They don't really say that, do they? I wish I hadn't wasted all that time on family. Nobody says that. What they say is, you know, I wish I'd have invested in the things that really matter. There's this illusion that by chasing after what I want, I'm going to find satisfaction in my life. Too many people spend their lives chasing after what they want and come to the end of it in misery. Broken health, broken relationships, broken spirituality. But the Bible says the one who loses his life gains it. Verse 13, For you, brothers and sisters, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And don't think it can't happen if we're all focused on ourselves this thing called church is one of the scariest places in the world to be but if we're all focused on one another loving our neighbors as ourselves then this is one of the most glorious places to be and when we engage that way when everyone is using the gifts they've been given then the fullness of the blessing of God can be poured out on the family of God. Do you realize that when you are not using the gift God has given you within the community of faith and beyond it, that you are literally withholding some of the grace of God from the world? Because the gifts are given to each of us as an act of grace of God, but they only become useful when we use them for the good of the church. So if God has bestowed upon you a a gift of, of helps, but you're not using it to help anybody, part of the grace of God that's supposed to be flowing into the world is not flowing. If God has given you a gift of knowledge, but you're just keeping it all to yourself, then part of the understanding that God wanted to be at work within the church is not happening. If God has given you the gift of being able to give but you're using it all for yourself part of the blessing is not being released and the kingdom is, is stunted it's not strong you're reading in Ephesians how when everybody is using your gifts the body grows strong and it's and it's healthy. It says, it's not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, a community that is easily split by anything that comes along to upset them is a community where the gifts are not being used within that place, where, where we're not loving each other, where we're not engaged. The theme of this day you saw when you came through the lobby, the ministry, ministry fair. We've done this, I guess, some years ago, but I don't think we've done it since I've been here, where the different ministries set up and give you an idea of what's going on. The point of the ministries in the church is to give you an opportunity to use those gifts that God has given you to build up the whole, the, the deacon ministry and the and the the deaconess ministry, and the pathfinder ministry, and the the children's ministries, and you just go down the list, all of the different things, the gift and thrift, the ministry that takes place there. But I want to specifically mention one ministry that we we mention it a lot because of the impact it's had, but I want to mention it particularly because I want to remind you that tomorrow the quilting ministry has their sale from 9 to 3 o'clock… But I want to mention that ministry for a reason. So the the point of that ministry, Prayers and Squares, is that when you get into a difficult time or, as someone reminded me, a really glorious time, like you have a child or something like that, or dedicate your child to the Lord, then this ministry has made quilts to give you in these hours of need or these hours of celebration. And it's an amazing thing. And I want you to understand what an amazing thing it is by doing something I did at the first two services, and that is, if you or someone in your family has received a quilt or a prayer square from this ministry of this church, I want to see your hand. I want to see your hands. Okay. Look around you. You Literally, look around you. Keep your hands up. Don't put them down. We want to see everybody. I could raise two hands because we have two at my house. Okay? Okay. That's how this ministry has touched the lives of the people in this church. Now, let me ask any of you that got one of these in an hour of extremity, was it just kind of, oh eh, yeah, whatever, or were you thrilled to get that quilt? I was thrilled. It was so amazing to think that people had worked many hours to make this thing that they're giving to me It affirmed the fact that I was in a time of trial, and it gave me hope and courage that people were praying for me. See, that's what this does. Now, do we have to have one of those ministries to be a church? No. But look at all the good it's done. That's how every ministry is. And this is why when we serve each other in love, the body is built up. So I remind you, brothers and sisters, you've been called to liberty. But I ask you, what will you do with it? Are you going to use it on yourself? Or are you going to use your God-given liberty to bless everybody around you? I pray you choose that one. And as you go out today, take a minute to look at the different ministries and see if the Lord doesn't put a call on your heart to participate and give what the Lord has given you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, help us to understand the freedom that is ours in Christ. Help us to understand that in Jesus we are counted as sons and daughters and therefore members of the Kingdom of God. But upon realizing this, Lord, this newfound freedom, help us not to revert to ways of death and darkness, but instead, in gratitude of heart, follow after Jesus, who did not come to be served but to serve. Help us follow after Him. And give of ourselves that this community would be strong and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.